Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now, the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This is Wolves Weekly, sponsored by MyDieselClaim.com. Hello there, I'm Mikey Burrows. Welcome to another episode of Wolves Weekly. I'm joined this week by the former Wolves midfielder Dave Edwards and for the first time on the podcast, the former Wolves striker Leon Clark. We'll talk the Derby Day draw, Huang appreciation, including whether he'd score as many playing through the middle, what do fans want in terms of playing styles, why it's so annoying to be made to kick in the wrong direction, and a return of our 1-11 to game. But first, here's Dave Edwards on Derby Day. I think it was an intriguing game. I think from both sides, I think it was it was very equal. Both teams had good chances to win the game. But the first half in particular was just more of um, a tactical battle between both managers. They almost cancelled each other out. I think defensively, they were both both really good, really good in their shape, didn't give a lot of space away. Aston Villa in particular, they were that worried about Neto. They were really loading up their left-hand side with McGinn, Dinya and um, Pau Torres. They didn't want to give them any space whatsoever. Um, but in the second half, I thought the intensity of the game really rose. I thought there was more attacking intent, people trying to make things happen, um, releasing from their positions to go and try and win the ball back and things like that. And then I thought it was a really good second half. And um, I think Wolves probably edged it up until those final chances that Aston Villa had. I felt Wolves had the better of the second half. And yeah, Pedro Neto was brilliant again, but he will be so disappointed he didn't put that big chance away. Um, and obviously Gary will be disappointed in the manner they conceded straight after or working so hard to go one nil up and they conceded so quickly after. But I think he'll be he'll be quietly happy. He sounded a little bit um frustrated in his interviews afterwards that he, he thinks it was three points that they should have got and you can understand why, but Leon, one of the one of the things that really struck me was about how Wolves obviously went into the Manchester City game playing in such a certain way to to stop City from playing, and yeah. I, and it felt like we were going to kind of set up to do the same for Villa, but yet Villa really set up to stop Wolves from playing, and I don't know how 
how big a compliment that is from Villa to Wolves, that they've clearly seen some of the attacking stuff that we've done in the last couple of weeks. And as Dave Edwards says, completely tried to shut it down with like six along the back when Wolves had the ball, but also keeping a high line to kind of make sure that none of the Wolves players could, could kind of get it and start running with it. Yeah, I think Villa would have noticed that one of Wolves' strongest threats are the players at the top end of the pitch. Uh, they're good at carrying the ball. So for Villa, it was denying them that space. Make them compact and solid. That just shows how much the team's evolved under the manager. Um, teams are uh, changing their shape to uh, give them the respect that they deserve. Um, and on their last two performances, they've deserved it. Are they going to have to think of, of different ways? Uh, I'm thinking about Pedro Neto here, Leon, that people are going to start to recognise just how big a threat he is and therefore come up with ways of stopping him, thinking if you stop him, you stop Wolves. Well, it, well I think we all know he's a talent and a threat. Um, obviously, he's, he's been unlucky with injuries. But yeah, there's going to be times where teams are going to identify him as, as the strongest attacking threat in the Wolves team and they might try and nullify his uh, ability and stop him from uh, being that threat and that focal point in the team. I think that'll be up to the, man the manager to uh, speak to the players and say, look, he's not going to be carrying the ball up the pitch for us as much as he normally does. He's going to be, there's going to be times where he's going to, they might go man for man against him or they might put two people up against him. So they might have to just change the way they play a little bit. Dave, um, Ryan Bennett was on the other week and he said um, he remembered the moment when Pedro Neto arrived and in his first interview he said he wanted to be world-class one day. And and uh, you can imagine, both of you, if someone said that in your dressing room, you're probably taking the mick a little bit, like pulling him up on it. But he kind of said, you know, his work rate and stuff kind of proved that he wanted to kind of get there. We've waited a while. Do you think he's on the way back? towards that kind of level he is I think he's surpassing the levels he was hitting before those injuries now I think he's um he's almost the one who can grab a game by the scruff of the neck when things aren't going well there's a lot of pressure on Pedro Neto to deliver in the last three or four games and he has delivered time and time again and other teams will try and um disrupt him like Aston Villa did yesterday but when you have a really good player like that who has it's the speed it's the speed which is kind of makes him so um, so dangerous. There's only so many players you can put on him. If he has space to run into, then he is going to attack that space and he's going to get the better of 99% of the people he comes up against because he is that quick. And what he's really developed now is once he goes past the players, remaining calm, gets into those areas and he can pick the right pass. He can put the ball into a dangerous area. He's starting to go both ways as well. I always thought he was a lot better on the left-hand side because he could just use his pace down the outside and come on his right foot it didn't really matter. And I thought when he was on the right, he would come inside too much, but he's really developed that side of his game now. He gets down the outside, a bit like what Matt Jarvis used to do when sort of me and Liam were back at Wolves, when he was right foot play on the left, but he could go both ways and he would take the ball down the line and just make sure he got a good quality crossing. And that's what Pedro's net is doing almost to a, to a new level. So he is getting better and better. He's on the verge of being world-class. There's no doubt about that. I think more consistent performances keep up with all these goal involvements. Then there's no doubt he's going to have some of the best teams in the world looking at him. He's only, how old is he, Mikey? 21, 22? Yeah. Well, just yeah. at 23 now. 
23, 23, so he's still so young. Um, and said he missed 18 months of football as well, which is crazy. So they're going to have the best teams in the world looking at him because he is such an asset. And like you were saying before about are people going to work Wolves out and make sure they double up on him, triple up on him, all these sorts of things. Well, Aston Villa kind of did yesterday, and that's where Wolves are going to have a massive overload somewhere else on the pitch. And if they can recognise that, I think in particular on the other side of Ray and Aitnori bombing down that left-hand side, if they can get the ball out of Pedro Neto's area quickly, whilst the opposition have so many men over there, you can almost do with a Ruben Nevis to switch the ball for them. But um, but yeah, there will be other opportunities to exploit. But even, doesn't matter what tactics you have, when you're playing against someone like Pedro Neto with that pace, he's just so hard to stop. Andy Thompson and Lee Naylor were with me for the game. And I was trying to get out of them. It's hard because they were both fullbacks, right? So they came at it from a completely different angle. So I want to ask Lee on this because for me, when there's a certain angle of the finish that he Chan makes, and you can almost start from his movement when he sees Pedro making the run. That's like he intrinsically knew where he needed to be, and the way he finishes it, I, I don't. You can describe it better than me, Leon. Like I looked at it, and I kind of went there is only one place he can kind of score there and, and he has to get the right amount of lift on it. And to me, it was just almost perfect, that finish. Peyton as well, where the ball's going to arrive and things like that. The finish was a quality finish. There's a lot of things involved in there. It's obviously being in the right place at the right time, all those kind of things. But the actual quality of the finish is like something so unusual. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just a, nat it's just a natural instinct. It's like, you know what you need to do and it's just the execution. Can you execute it as perfectly as possible? Just to do what he had to do at the right time was just perfect. It's not something that comes natural to some people, do you know what I mean? So that makes certain people stand out different to others. He's obviously got quality and it was a great finish. Because just describe it to us, like how long, how much do you actually think in that moment? You, you hardly got time to think, to be honest. You, you might lift your head up a little bit and see whether the keeper's rushing out to you or he stayed where he is. It Honestly, it's it's milliseconds. It's just, right, I've got to do this and I have to make sure it's perfect. I have to make sure the contact's perfect and the execution's perfect. So literally, we're talking about milliseconds. Because the contact, isn't it, Leon? That's all yeah. you focus on, getting yeah. whatever as you need to find in quickly. As long as you get that good contact, then you're happy, aren't you? That yeah, yeah. If you contact, you just want to make sure that the contact's perfect. Because there was a, a a slightly similar moment in the first half, Dave, where Ryan A. Nori got on the end of that cross and kind of tried to help it on its way, and it, it it just made me think of kind of the 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 difference between them. In you know, maybe it's a confidence thing and a goal scorers thing, like Leon says that you can't teach it. Almost that Ryan kind of helped it on its way, and it it curved away from goal, whereas. He chance was like, I'm just going to hit the target. Yeah, that's what when you're when you're that close, it was a difficult chance. Reigns was. It was kind of he was in front of the front post, and he's tried to. You see what he's trying to do? He's trying to guide it in the far post, but the way he hits, it's always curving away from the the goal. He didn't really have a chance of going in at any point. But for He Chan Wang, when he gets in those areas, like Leon says, you know, when you're in between the goalposts, if you get a good solid contact, unless you actually hit it straight at the goalkeeper, because you won't know nothing about it. They'll try and make themselves big, but more often than not, say 80% of the time, with a good contact, you're going to score. I think what the best thing about him is, is that he gets into those areas consistently. He knows that as soon as Neto gets it and goes down the outside, he's just got to concentrate on getting between defenders. He, he's not waiting for the ball. He's not hanging out at the back post. He's not 
dropping out towards the edge of the box for a cutback. He is just getting himself across bodies and then you, you give yourself a chance. You, you're never going to score stood behind someone without a ridiculous amount of luck. And that's what he does so well. There's, there's no Wolves players apart from him who do that. I, I look at Mateus Cunha at times. I'm just like, he he does so well. in the like He is unbelievable in the build-up, in that transition where he gets it, he turns, he passes. The amount of times he passes to Neto and then he runs towards Neto almost to try and support him again. I'm thinking, just get in the box. Just go and get across <laughs> your mind. You'll, you'll score 10 goals a season doing it. It won't. It takes me back to when Hells Acosta was there. Just, he just beats his man, gets the byline, gets across in the box. And that's what Neto does. And if you've got an instinctive goal scorer, like I think Huang is, then he just knows, get across my man, and then I've got a chance. If it doesn't come, it doesn't come. But he'll he probably made seven or eight of those runs yesterday. But you only see the one he scores in because yeah. that's what happens. He probably the ball got played behind him a few times, it got overhit a few times, but he's still making those runs, and that's what you have to do as an attacking player. Because that's a really good point, isn't it, Leon? That like you when you look at the six goals he scored now in, in nine games, they're all in the penalty area. They're all yeah. either getting on the end of something. Like they're not outside the box like you did occasionally and smash it into the top corner. Like they're they're all <laughs> they're all finishing off other things. He's right place, right time. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing what Dave was saying is if he's making those runs, he, he made seven or eight of those runs yesterday, but you, they go unnoticed, probably not getting on the end of it. But it's he has to keep doing it. Keep he's doing it unselfishly. He's making that run across the near post or across people, getting his body in there um, and making it difficult for people. If, if you keep doing it and keep doing it percentage wise, and you've got quite uh, a quality player like Neto putting in balls like that for you. If eventually you're going to get chances or you're going to get you're going to get contact on something you both know me well enough to know that um i don't like to brag of course i do um i said uh pre-season that he w- i tipped him to be the guy to get double figures this year he's already equaled the, what we've had as a top scorer in the last two seasons in six goals and he's done it in nine games this year which is kind of says a lot about how bad we've been scoring goals in the last two seasons rather than maybe how excellent he's been. But I also said, Leon, that when he first joined, I thought he's the closest thing we've had to Diogo Jota since Jota left. Do you yeah. see similarities in that? I personally think they're a little bit different. Yeah, Technique-wise, they're both really good on the ball. To play at the top level, you have to be technically very good. I think the way Diego Jota takes the ball and carries the ball is a little bit different than how he can how he can, how he can link play. In that aspect, I feel like Wand more of a, a goal scorer. He wants to be in the box. He wants to be in, in between the whip for the goal. He wants to be in between uh, making runs across people, being a nuisance inside the box, getting on the end of things. I felt like Jota arrived on things a little bit more. I, I see where you're going with the similarities. Me personally, I think they're slightly different. Yeah. Just a little, a little bit, but... He's doing well, do you know what I mean? He's, he's scored six goals in nine games. Like you said, he's bettered the top scorers in the last season, two seasons at Wolves. So for Wolves fans, long may it continue. Um, he's in a rich vein of form and probably the international breaks come at the wrong time for him, to be honest, <laughs> and for Wolves. But I'm sure after the inter- international break, he'll come back with a spring in his step uh, for the next round of games. And hopefully for Wolves, he can do well and carry on his form. Here's my question then to both of you. Edo, you can go first. Would it work? Would he be as successful if you played him through the middle in the kind of the, what they're trying to ask Cunha to do? Bearing in mind, obviously, he, he 
kind of adds maybe more goals than Cunha. Would it work if you played him as the central one, or does he have to be that guy from the left or from the right who, who as Leon says, gets those kind of spaces and arrives in the penalty area? Yeah, it, it's definitely an option, um, but he's definitely going to be more effective. And I think from the left-hand side, I think that's why half the reason why Pedro Neto always starts on the right now, because I think it... Um, facilitates what Huang can do. So he's definitely better off the left. I think he makes clever diagonal runs just in normal play. He had a couple yesterday where he's kind of goes off the blind side of the opposition fullback. Um, I think Max Kilman played one through to him, didn't he? Um, in the in the first half where he nearly got in and kind of on his left foot. So he makes clever runs and I just like him coming because he runs right the way across the goal for those chances. And he said he always finishes in between the goalposts, which is an instinctive thing. It's a it's um Every, a lot of players want to go towards the ball and try and get on the ball all the time, whereas he's thinking, get to the middle of the goal. If the ball bounces around, I'm going to have an opportunity to score. And then that's what you make your name for, scoring goals. Um, but I think as a central striker, it might be a bit more difficult for him because he's going to be marked a lot easier. I think when you're in the centre of the goal, Leon will know this more than more than me, but as a central striker, the centre-halves are always looking for you when the ball's out wide. You're their man. They're trying to get close to you. Whereas I think if you're coming off the flank or if you're coming from midfield, you can come in unmarked a lot more. So I think that's where it suits him. And maybe it does suit him with Cunha because Cunha drops into areas where the centre-halves don't know whether to go, don't know whether, and that sometimes gives Wang a little bit of space to run into. Um, but it's, it's just great for him to be in that goal-scoring form. But I think off the left in particular is, is is where he's best and it's amazing to see how goals can improve confidence so much because I think even at the start of the season where he was getting a goal he wasn't really that involved in games but he was scoring builds his confidence up and now you look at some of the the stuff he's done in the last two games in terms of receiving the ball deep and running across the pitch of it keeping the ball skills and stuff like that he looks a completely different player to a lot of times last year where he, he I felt like he struggled with his confidence giving the ball away a lot um but just getting those goals um, ha massively helps and helps the team as well. But all the managers, while well, they trust him, everyone who, who's been in charge of Wolves when he's been there, they, they trust him for his work right up and down that left-hand side. So that gets him in the team first and foremost. Then the goals come and now you see in the whole package, aren't you? I think I really like Cunha. Honestly, I just wish he could add some more goals to his game. I think he's the perfect foil for... The, the three of them, I feel like it's the perfect foil. I think if you put one in the, the middle, I think you'd take away from what helps Wolves and you'd take away from his game as well. Like Dave said, he's, he works really hard. He's The last couple of seasons, he's had managers there that have trusted him. He makes he makes, he makes makes good runs off. He doesn't stay... Sometimes he stays out wide, but then sometimes he's making runs inside as well. So I'm giving them something else to think about because he's not going straight line all the time. I wouldn't like to see him down the middle. I really do like Cunha. I just, like I said, I think he could add some more goals to his game. He's so good um, technique-wise, driving with the ball, make harrowing, making it difficult for defenders. Maybe he's got something that I wasn't blessed with, which was which was pace. Pace kills everything. Uh, the top players in the Premier League, at the top clubs, um, the one thing that stands them out from everybody else is pace. Pace just kills everything. So yeah, I think. We're, when where he's playing, I think it's perfect for him. It works for Wolves, um, and it works for him as well. Um, he's in a rich vein of form, like I said. He's landing on things. He's getting himself in the box. He's being a nuisance. He's making it difficult for defenders. So yeah, long may it continue for himself and for the team. But I think the way that they play at the moment, it that, with that front three, it works perfect. 
Wolves Weekly with Mikey Burrows. Brought to you by MyDieselClaim.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Now, for people who might have listened to Wolves Weekly last week, they'll have heard our uh, interview with Sporting Director Matt Hobbs. And as part of that, he spoke about wanting to make the team reflect the fans in the stand. And he specifically said that under Bruno Large, Wolves didn't run enough. They were outrun by everybody. And he felt that was a really key, important marker. And under Julian Lopetegui, we'd outrun everybody by one team. And under Gary O'Neill, we have outrun everyone and it sparked a bit of a debate on match day live with tomo and lee naylor in terms of kind of what is a team that reflects the fans and so i wanted to ask both of you because you have different perspectives on this and have been around the football club a long time and in different spells of course in leon's case as well so if i were to say to you dave edwards what is a team that you think you think reflects the Wolves supporters what what stands out to you? It's difficult. I, I think it's easy to say that you want a team that works hard. I think every fan base wants that. And I think every fan base expects their players to work hard because they would do, if they got given the chance to wear a wolf shirt on the pitch, they would run themselves into the ground. So that needs to almost come as a, as a minimum, but obviously doesn't always happen. I always think Wolves fans have always appreciated a bit of a maverick in a team. I, I really do. Like people always said to me, oh, I liked you, Dave, because you'd always try 110%. Not everyone liked me. I got a few, <laughs> got a fair share of stick in the past and not been able to pass the ball enough. Um, but I think what they always like is one of those players who can who can really make a difference. In my time there, someone like Helder Costa, Benicophobi when he was really on song, um, obviously when Ruben Neves came in, all these players just have that something a little bit different. And I think if you can get a player with talent who is offers that loyalty to the club like Ruben did and players like that, then they will go down in, in folklore. So I think if you, it's always Dean Saunders always used to say, probably not the best reference on here, but Dean Saunders would say the, um, the definition of a good footballer is, um, is some ability who works hard and they're hard to find. It sounds easy, but I, I think Walsall in particular, they love a player who's just a little bit different. You know, someone who's top quality, even a bit like Cunha at the moment, He's not a player that Wolves have had in the past, someone who's going to drop in and do all that sort of stuff. So I think Wolves fans really like 
that sort of player. Um, but you can't have 11 of them. You need 10 runners around them. Yeah, but this one. is what I mean. So, like, is it like, a, a, a you know, do you feel like, or did you get the feeling that it was about being direct? Do you know when you get that roar, like when, when you win the ball back and, and they yeah. want you to go forwards quickly? Or because I I felt I I felt under Bruno Large that there was a period of time when people wanted us to to control games with possession a bit more because we hadn't done that for quite a while, but this kind of four two three one that you guys played in that we kind of drifted back to a little bit now and then gone back to the five, but like counter attacking football that's kind of what I I see Wolves as in a way. They're definitely like that now. They have to be a counter-attacking team in the Premier League and with pace. I think fans love pace, excitement, even the Darmatry or frustrate. But you got your money's worth when you're watching and didn't you to get fans out of the seat and then exciting. Yeah. Um, but I think Wolves fans are really evolving because me and Leon, when we played for Wolves, if we sat in our shape and didn't press, we would get hammered um because we're, you need to be more aggressive especially at home you need to be on your front foot but you play teams like Man City even yesterday against Aston Villa I was kind of saying when I was doing the game that when Villa had the ball and they were waiting for Wolves to press them they wanted Wolves to press them so they could then start to play and there's a few murmurs in the crowd you know the I won't sing the song but the to, to, to get into them that song but it takes, so, it takes so much discipline on the pitch as a player to say that's not that's not good for the team. It's quite easy for someone just to rush out their shape, go and press, get popped around, and all of a sudden Aston Villa are in. But it's a lot more discipline to to stay in the shape. But I think Wolves fans come a lot more accepting to that now because they understand the, the the goal of the team is to almost have that space to run into, and they will they will love it when Wolves win the ball back and go quickly. I think that's what's the exciting thing. That's what makes Wolves uh what well, that's what I Wolves play at their best at the moment is doing that winning the ball deep and just going quickly with numbers and committing players as well not just one player up on their own going you need players to join them so I think that's Wolves identity definitely and I think that's what's exciting for the fans Leon I wrote down aggressive and Mavericks from that what would you add <laughs> yeah Mavericks as well and definitely aggressive I think the times when I was at Wolves, uh, they were both two different periods. But the one thing I will say about the Wolves fans is they're different to any other fans that I've ever played for and I've played for. Honestly, the, the, we all know the list is long. <laughs> I feel like they want the full package. Working hard is a given anyway. At Wolves, it's got to be 110%. Because if you're not given 110%, they're going to pick you out. You're gonna get found out. You're gonna you're gonna hear grumbles. You're gonna hear moans. You're gonna hear little shouts. Did I play with it? It was the Mavericks? I was thinking about Bakary Sacco as yeah, yeah even Sacco. yeah. When I was at Wolves, Sacco was like the the one that could change a game. The one that we could we we could give the ball to, and he could do something so unusual for everybody else. He had that he did have that extra bit of quality. He could put it in the top corner, or he could put a cross in that was perfect. He could carry the ball and drive with it. Do you know the Maverick thing is really funny though because. Like when you were both talking there, I'm thinking like um, for an era, obviously, that, that both of you played in, like George Ellicobi is a much bigger hero, I think, to the fans than Stephen Ward in some respects. And and yet you would probably make a strong case that, that Stephen Ward had a bigger contribution over a longer period of time and and did maybe a, a probably, you know, arguable better role for the team. Um, Ronald Zubar over Kevin Foley in the same respect. Like we saw a player who absolutely bombed on from that fullback position and kind of that consistency element maybe wasn't there that like those kind of players get the attention and and 
get the the cult that's, that's status. Per, I think that's more pers- I think that's more personality than anything else, isn't it? I think I was about to say. Ward, yeah. Wardy and Foles, very unassuming characters who kind of just get on with their work. Great lads, like if you know him personally, amazing lads, but just on the pitch, just did their job and did it extremely well. Whereas there was a bit more flamboyance, wasn't there, with George and Zoobs and and players like that. I think the fans yeah, buy into that. They really do. They endear to that, don't they? They're yeah. kind of George was kind of banging his chest and he'd be smashing <laughs> people and whatever. And he was and he was good at it. Do you know what I mean? Like he was he was amazing. Yeah, fans endear to that that kind of personality. Not necessarily look up look up to that person, but kind of that person to be the heart the heartbeat and the and the spine of the team to kind of push everybody else on as well. I didn't play with Foles and and Wardy, but I'm not, I'm, I know I played with Wardy a little bit, but I know them as personalities, and they were, they were completely different. And when I stepped onto the pitch as well, they were different as well. So I think, yeah. Okay, it's, here's it's a, a hard. Here's a, a hard one. here's maybe a better one then, like James Henry v. Bakary Sacco. The work rate, you know, the skills, the the ability to carry the ball. There's a lot there. I, t- I take on board that Bakary was unreal and could change a game in a flash. But James Henry had a like, had a very different kind of relationship i guess with fans dave you're smiling at me on this that maybe that he was fans just had miserable to... though wasn't he <laughs> so that paid off onto the fans <laughs> but no you know he was um but yeah the amount of goals he created and, and things like that he was a top player wasn't he it's a difficult comparison because sacco had everything didn't he sacco had that that pace um the power getting fans off their seats that sort of stuff in the transition i mean like leon said before it's really important as well in terms of fans listening to this is what an impact they have when you win the ball back and you're going forward. The raw, that that is something which is is genuine. When you win a tackle in midfield and you start to break and you hear the raw, um, especially in the second half or whatever, and you're kicking towards the south bank. Um, yeah, it just feels like the stadium lifts and that definitely empowers, inspires the players and it makes you want to go forward, doesn't it, Leon? It's it's different. When you hear that roar, you think, oh, I need to go forward with the ball. I need to go and try and make something positive happen. Then if the ball's bobbing around again, you want to go into a tackle and yeah. things like that. I think it's important the fans know what a what a huge impact they have on the players in those moments. Um I think that I think they can see that as well. I think they they see players who when they get that little bit of support, they really sort of might go in for a tackle they wouldn't have gone in before. They might run that extra yard might go forward rather than backwards, all those sorts of things. Um, You've both reminded me of something that, um, apologies, I can't find uh, exactly who it was that direct messaged me now, but there was a question that that someone wanted asked on Wolves Weekly this week where um, Aston Villa turned us round at the kickoff and made Wolves... I was gutted. Why is that a thing? Whenever I was was captain at any team and I was playing playing away from home, I'd always change it around. It just disrupts the... Yeah, it disrupts everything. You're used to kicking the one way and you always feel like you finish stronger in the second half and for whatever reason. I know it used to be different when I first signed for Wolves. I used to kick different ways. But then I think when Kenny Jacket came in, we started kicking towards the South Bank in the second half. So I think they felt like that was the the, the end, which probably sang the most and things like that. Um, it, do, it does make a difference when you're kicking down towards an end like that it's a bit like Liverpool kicking towards the cop if you play Anfield and you're an away team captain you've got to try and switch ends you don't want to kick him towards the cop in the second half because it's just the noise the pressure builds and that def- I think that's definitely the case at Molyneux as well yeah so I was gutted when they flipped it around <laughs> I think teams just do it just to disrupt it's like as soon as they do it it's, you just get 
booze and grumbles straight away, <laughs> don't you? Literally straight. But every time I've played at Wolves or I've played there, any time that it's, if even when I played against Wolves, uh, I think it was for Coventry, and you know that Wolves are going to be shooting into the South Bank second half, I know it's just like, oh no, here we go. Because you just know it's just going to be an absolute roar. It's going to be loud. There's going to be periods of the game where they're going to be on top of you and it just feels like it's wave after wave. And when you're the home team and you're Wolves and and you're attacking that South Bank, you just know that you're going to get... You get support from all round, but that roar from that stand in particular is just... It feels like it's louder than any other part of the stadium. Yeah. So it's just... I don't know if it's, it's, so I, got, I don't know if it's the way the stadium is set up as well. It's almost like into the ground, that end, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it always kind of stays in that end a lot more. Yeah. Any, but also any chance or any good work that you do, whether it's a tackle or closing somebody down, it just feels like everyone's just up off their feet in that stand and you just kind of you soak it in. But yeah, it's not nice when somebody flips you around. It can't, yeah, it does disrupt you. So it's a clever tactic because it throws people off maybe for a, a little period of the start of the game. I say I've asked four of you now, uh, the two on Match Day Live and the two of you, and I love how petty it is that John yeah. McGinn did it because it's clearly like does rile you up as players in a yeah. in a way that you wouldn't imagine. Oh, I love that. Um, yeah. Right, before we go, um, we haven't done this in a while, uh, but I thought um, because I've got the extra equipment out today and I've got some sound effects... Um, ..that we could play... Oh, I'll turn that off. Um, we can have a quick game of um, 1 to 11. So uh, for Dave's played this before. For Leon's benefit, I have gone back into Wolves history. And uh, this game happened on Saturday, the 25th of October, 2014. Leeds against Wolves at Ellen Road. A certain Leon Clark scores a late winner in this game for Wolves to win 2-1. Um, you'll take it in turns. You just have to remember what was the Wolves' starting lineup on that day. So Wolves winning two-one at Leeds in October 2014. Uh, Leeds actually took the lead in this game um, through a player called Mirko Antonucci. If that helps either of you, uh, you both played in it. Um, so. Uh, I, I, who wants to go? I'll let Leon go first. Your first guess, Leon. I, just, I didn't start, did I? No, you didn't. So no. technically, no. that's what we call a bench bounce, where if you say okay. someone who was on the bench, you don't lose a life. So, okay. <laughs> yeah, you didn't start. Who was in the starting lineup? Who's your first guess? Carl Aikimi. Yeah, Carl Aikimi was in goal. Edo. I started. <laughs> was terrible, got dragged at half time for Leon, and he came on and scored the winner. <laughs> I thought I'd come on later than that. Was it half time? Yeah, half time. Yeah, I yeah. definitely got dragged at half time. It was you, you that must, got dragged you at half time. You must have been having a bad game if I came on for you. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so I started, Mikey. Inspired decision by Kenny. Leon, what's your next guess? Doherty. Yes, Doc was in at right back. He set you up, didn't he? I think he said, I remember him setting you up and you're running off to the Wolves fans on the right hand side. You know. um, I'm, going to be struggling. I'm going to be struggling now. That's what yeah. I remember. <laughs> yeah, Leon remembers his mate Carl in goal and the lad who set him up for the for his goal. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> he would have been playing centre midfield then. Kev Mack? Yep, Kevin McDonald. The gaffer now, isn't he? 
Yeah, yeah uh, I've seen that. player yeah. caretaker manager of. I was going to message him. I've seen that. He might get that job because I know he's got. He's, he was doing. He was doing a lot of work at Fulham, and I think he's he's done quite well in his badges. You never know if he does well, he might get it for. a I don't know, until the end of the season or something. I mean, imagine having Kevin McDonald as your manager. <laughs> I was having this conversation yesterday. I know there, but that's like me. Like I do some I do coaching now, and it's like people probably just never envisioned that I'd ever be a coach. Do you know what I mean? So but I can't, yeah, I can't imagine Kev being a manager, but <laughs> we all get we all grow up at some point. Yeah. I I, I did a we did an episode with Kev just after he joined Exeter. And I had to do the interview with him from a hotel room because he'd just moved into a house that day and had locked himself out. And it was a Sunday, so he couldn't get back in. So he'd had to check into a hotel and do the interview from the hotel bed. That's Kevin McDonald. That's bad for fans. That's the manager of your football club. Right. Leon's next guess. We've had Carl Ikemi, Matt Doherty, Kevin McDonald, and Dave Edwards picked himself. Bakary. Bakary Sacco is a no. I was going to say Sacco. I know it. I know it is. So Leon's lost a life. I'll go for Lenny. Uh, James Henry. James Henry, yep. He was on the right. Raji Van Lepara is a no. It's a bench bounce, so you're not going to lose a life. You get another guess. Okay, that's right. Michael Jacobs, yes. He was the player playing from the left-hand side in this game, otherwise known as Cracker, uh, to a lot of people. <laughs> Danny? Danny Bart? Yeah. Boy from Briley Hill. Richard Stearman? Richard Stearman is a no. Uh, he is a bench bounce. He did come on late in the game, so you get another go. You don't lose a life. This is why this is a really good game, uh, especially in this Leeds game is a good one to pick because it's not what you would imagine. I can't think he played centre off that game. Can I just? I don't have to go for the same position. I can go for a different position. Yeah, yeah, go for a different position. So you need a centre half, uh, a left back. Was it Dicko? It was Nua Dicko. Stays in the game. So what do we need? A left back, centre midfielder, centre mid, left back, and centre back. So it would have been left back then. It would be Scotty. It's got to be Scotty G. No, but it is a bench bounce. He was an unused sub. Left back. left back. Was this League One this season? <laughs> championship. No, no, this no, is Championship. Champ. What I will say is this is. This is October, right? So, could you remember? Like, it used to have a really terrible October and November. I think this was a bad period. Hence, why this is a, a bit of a random team. Four centre backs. No, 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 no. <laughs> but it, it's someone who who was kind of a left back. I, I'm giving too many clues. Way too many clues. You're not helping me either. Leon's got. I go centre midfield. So centre midfield, right? So it was there then. So could be could be pricey. I won't say that just yet though. Lee Evans. It's got one of those two, isn't it? Me, Kev, Mac, and oh, Jack Price. Uh, uh, not on the bench either. Not even on the <laughs> bench. No, I should have used the actual sound effects. I've completely ignored them throughout the rest of this game. Yeah. But we'll carry um, on. I mean, lives you get, Mikey. Oh, you get three, so you've both lost a life each. Oh, I can't think he was left back that game. One person I'm thinking of, I think it could be. Centre-half? Centre no, 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 he did, he did have another position, but it wasn't centre-half. Well, that's thrown me even more. <laughs> um, I know it is. I don't know. 
Lee Evans? Yes, Lee Evans. What a move from Leon. Now, that's a centre mid, yeah. Lee Evans. Of course, he played for... I, I teed that up for Leon. Played for Ipswich <laughs> against Wolves the other week. Um, the two, So the centre-half and the left-back are... Left back. Is it George Savile? It's not George Savile. No, that, I was so sure. That is a bench bounce. Uh, George Savile was an unused sub. He wasn't playing left-back at this at this period, was he? It was later so on. So wasn't he left-back in the centre-half? Both of them are still playing now. Courtney House? Did he play? It's good, but it's not right. You uh, lose a life. Got one left. So Leon just needs to find one of these now, and he's pretty much secured himself the victory. You're looking for... People might be playing along at home and they're listening to this. I'll give you some clues. They're both still playing now. I think... Go on, go on. I'm... No, go on. If you've got one, go for it. I don't think it's not even close. I think he was too young, so I don't think he played. But yeah, go on. Another clue would really help. <laughs> um, they're both still playing now. Say so the left back, kind of known for playing in a in another position as well, but it wasn't centre half. And the central defender you both played with, I think, at another club. I might be right in saying that. I think Edo definitely did. And I'm pretty sure the time. Ethan, right. Ethan Ebanks Landell, yes. Nice. I didn't even... Ethan must have been so young then. Left back. Still playing. He's not a left back. Who is half a left back? Can we tell it? say what other position he played? Either on the wing or I think he even played a little bit in centre mid. Very, very rarely. You would primarily probably think him as maybe like a wide midfielder slash winger. We'll kick ourselves here, aren't we? He's, um, he's, yeah. still, he's still only 35 now. And he still plays. How long was it Wolves for? So, I mean, technically he was there for two years, but he went on loan for part of the one year and he only made 17 appearances and he had lots of injury issues as well when he was I think around. I know who it is. I think, I think this might be a wild guess. I'm not going to say it because I might be completely wrong. <laughs> I think I know who it is. <laughs> Um, I mean, Edo's lost here anyway, so... Yeah. Can you keep just giving clues and see if I can get it? Okay, do you want me to read out some of his other clubs? Oh, yeah, or who we bought him from, or who we signed him from. So we signed him from uh, Peterborough United. I know, where, I, I, I know it is. Where he'd spent five years, and he went on loan to Scunthorpe and Doncaster, and then joined Doncaster permanently. Yeah, Tommy Rowe. Tommy Rowe. So, yeah, it was Carl Aikimi, Doherty Barr, Ebanks Landell Rowe, Henry McDonald, Evans Jacobs, Edwards, and Dicko. Dave Edwards got pulled on half-time. I beat today's team. What do you reckon the score be? Do you reckon reckon we'd score? (laughs) No. Not with that team. No, maybe at half-time once I've come off. (laughs) Like I said, you must have been having a bad game. That's all it can be. That was, um, that was a that was a very workmanlike team, that wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. That was very workmanlike that team. No <laughs> creativity and no one carrying the ball up the pitch there was no Mavericks in that team. Yeah, yeah. That's what I went wrong. Wolves Weekly, brought to you by mydieselclaim.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.